0: again and welcome to episode 54 of B Boomer Unleashed. I'm Jerry Lake, the Unleashed Baby Boomer and I'll be your host for today's episode and all the episodes of B Boomer Unleashed. Episode 54 starts a series that we're going to be going through here over the next few weeks. Not sure how many episodes we're going to have, but there's a lot of ground to cover and hopefully we'll get several people to interview as we go through this, but we're going to be talking about life after high school. Life after high school and some meaningful employment and educational opportunities that uh, folks have when they graduate from high school. I would like to take this opportunity to welcome you to the new year, the first episode of the new year. It's hard to believe that we have one full year of b Boomer Unleashed behind us. We've had well over 2,200 downloads on Podbean alone. That doesn't count the downloads from iHeartRadio, from iTunes, from... Google Play, and from all the other places that people can get B Boomer Unleashed. But we're very pleased with that uh, number of downloads that we've had during the past year. We've got lots of followers. We've had lots of email correspondence and lots of suggestions as we go along with B Boomer Unleashed here in 2020. So we start our second full season here in 2020, not only a new year, but a new decade. And we want to welcome you to the Bee Boomer Unleashed family. If you've never listened before, welcome. All of the other episodes are back there archived, and you can listen to those if you would care to do that. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to remind you, as we always do, where you can find our podcast. You can always find us at beeboomerunleashed.podbean.com. You can find us on iTunes and Google Play at Unleashed. You can find us on iHeartRadio at B.BoomerUnleashed. You can also find our link on Facebook, Spotify, Tumblr, and Instagram at BBoomerUnleashed and on Twitter at B. Boomer Unleash one As always, we encourage you to drop us an email at BBoomerUnleashed at gmail.com. Once again, that's BBoomerUnleashed at gmail.com. Drop us a note and let us know what you think and give us suggestions for future episodes. And as always, if you would like to be a guest on the Bee Boomer Unleashed podcast, we'd certainly be glad to have you on our show. Well, episode 54, Life After High School, uh, Meaningful Employment and Educational Opportunities, uh, we're going to be talking about... You know, some of the things that were prevalent in my day, I was born in 1950, graduated high school in 1968, and life was different back during baby boomer days when folks were graduating from high school in the 50s and 60s. You know, uh, let's take a look, just a, a brief walk through history here, about the percentage of students graduating from high school over the years. Now, in 1900, that was a little bit before my time, about 50 years before my time, there were about 6.4% of the students who graduated from high school. Back in that time, uh, if you had an 8th grade education, you were considered to have a pretty good education, and you really did. You know, an 8th grader back in those days... They were learning a lot of different things that 8th uh, graders today don't learn, don't, uh, don't cover in the 8th grade. And so an 8th grade education back in the early 1900s was a pretty good education. As a matter of fact, our Amish friends, most of their children only go to school through 8th grade, and they're in a basically a one-room school. And I think the reason these students get such a good education in those 8 years in school is that probably by the time they're into the eighth grade, they've been teaching subject matter for three or four years. They've been helping the younger ones with the subject matter, and they become proficient that way, and they learn how to work, and they learn how to do a lot of things. We're going to be talking a little bit about that culture later on as we get into this study of life after high school. But then in 19, by 1910, that number was up to 8.8%, so about 8.8% of the folks who went to school graduated. By 1920, that number had grown to 16.8%. By 1930, 29%. By 1940, 50%. By 1942, 51%. And that was the year, covering uh, years covering 1941 and 42, and it grew a little bit, but very insignificantly. If you'll remember, World War II, uh, we got into that December 7th, 1941, and a lot of our young men, particularly our young men, dropped out of high school to go and defend our country against the Japanese and the German aggression. And so that number was uh, slightly higher, but not much. But then for the next uh, few years, that number went went down. 1944, it was down to 42.3%. By 1946, it was back up to 47%. And then by 1948, it was at 54%. Now, the year I was born in 1950, the graduation rate was about 59%. And then it continued to climb by nineteen fifty. Four, it was 60%. By 1960, it was 65.1%. By 1964, it was 767 By the time I graduated high school in 1968, it was at about 78%. And today's graduation rate nationwide, the graduation rate is approximately 85%. So uh, we've got about 15% of the kids who start high school that don't graduate so we've got about 85% that graduate. I think the average in West Virginia is about 90%. Now, these numbers uh, took on a little different form in 2010. They started calculating graduation rates a little bit differently than uh, than they did uh, prior to 2010. There's, there's a reason, I think, that that graduation rate is up to 85%. Uh, today, and approximately 90% in West Virginia, I think some of it has to do with the watering down of the curriculum. It's not nearly as difficult to get a high school diploma in 2019 or 2020 as it was, say, back in 1960. The, uh, the uh, standards that have been set for these students are not quite as high. Teachers today aren't allowed to really teach They spend an inordinate amount of their time preparing lessons and implementing new programs and piddling around with technology and uh, taking care of discipline problems in the classroom, and they really don't have the time to devote to teaching like they should. And those uh, graduation rates are going up because really it's not quite as difficult to get a high school diploma today as it was, say, back in the 1950s or 1960s. Now, you may disagree with me about that. You may say kids are getting smarter, the graduation rate is getting higher because they're doing so much better, and technology is, you know, and that's okay. If you believe that, that's okay. I'm not going to argue with you about that. That's just my opinion. Everybody has opinions. And your opinion may certainly be different. And if you've got a, a different opinion, certainly come on Be Boomer Unleashed and share that with us. We would be glad to have you on. Now let's talk a little bit about uh, the differences in education, say, back in 1950s and what we have today. Uh, in 1950, the average teacher salary was $4,000 a year. $4,000 a year. That's not a whole lot of money, is it? You know, when I started teaching school in 1973, I remember sitting at Marshall University one October looking out the window thinking, wow, if I can ever get out of this hole and get me a job making $10,000 a year, I'll be on easy street. Well, I finally got out. You know, I went through a four-year program in only five years, and I graduated with a bachelor's degree in education, and I got a job as a school teacher there in 1973, but I didn't quite make the $10,000 threshold. I started teaching in Cabell County for $6,300 a year in 1973. Now, today's average starting salary for a teacher is $39,000. And teachers certainly are probably, we would classify them as underpaid but when you stop to think about it now and teachers work 200 days a year most of them some states they work 185 or 186 days a year but teachers in West Virginia for example work 200 days a year a full time person works about 260 to 264 days a year so they're working 64 days 60 to 64 days less than other full-time positions, but they're making $39,000. So in the whole scope of things, that's not a bad starting salary, but let me tell you, teaching is a very difficult job, and a good teacher, not every teacher, but a good teacher certainly deserves more money. In 1950, 36% of white Americans and 13% of black Americans over 25 years old had a high school diploma or higher. In 2010, 92% of white Americans and almost 85% of black Americans earned a high school diploma or higher. So those numbers are getting better as we go along. Students attended school an average of 155 days back in 1950. I remember I started school in 1956, and we started after Labor Day and got out before Memorial Day. Now it seems like you start in the middle of August and you're out, you know, in the middle of June sometime. So there's all those training days that they've got to get in, and our, and our students in West Virginia attend school for 180 days, and that's pretty typical nationwide that students would attend school for 180 days. Back in 1951, the government, state, local, federal government, spent about $215 Per student per year. Uh, Now that number is uh, up to about $13,000 a year that we spend on each student. 215 back in 1950, 51. Now we're up to about $13,000 that we spend on each student. Each year, 1.3 million students drop out of school. Imagine that 1.3 million students drop out. Currently, U.S. students are ranked 14th in literacy and 25th in math. Now, my generation, we baby boomers, most of us who went to college were first-generation college graduates. Now, there were college graduates before our generation, obviously. But the lion's share of us who went to college were first-generation college graduates. Most of our parents either graduated high school or dropped out of high school and uh, you know there that was that was not always the case you know there've always been doctors and lawyers and other professionals that accountants that had to have those four-year degrees and eight-year degrees and whatever it might be but by and large these baby boomers who went to college in the 60s and 70s were the first ones in their family to graduate from college. Now, why is that? Well, back in baby boomer days, there were a lot of job opportunities, not only for graduates, but for high school dropouts. There were many uh, opportunities. Uh, There were a lot of factories. You know, in Huntington, West Virginia, we had... Uh, Dozens of factories, steel mills, uh, bumper factories, glass factories, um, uh, clothing factories, shoe factories, light bulb factories, uh, special um, alloy metals factories. We had all kinds of manufacturing going on just right here in the little old Podunk Huntington, West Virginia And then you get down in the southern coal fields, and there was coal mining. And, you know, there were all these things that young men in particular had an opportunity to do. And there were jobs available, not only for high school graduates, but for high school dropouts. So they really didn't have to go to college to make a living. They could go to work in a factory and make a livable wage. There was agriculture. A lot of folks in my generation worked in agriculture. They worked on the farm. Their parents owned a farm, and they just stayed on the farm, and they worked on the farm. There were a lot of apprenticeships going on back in the day, apprenticeships in the trades. Uh, Those trades um, could be uh, sheet metal workers or electricians or machinists or uh, carpenters, or all of these different skilled trades plumbers, bricklayers, blocklayers. You had all of these apprenticeships going on where a young man could leave high school. And I say young man because primarily in the 50s and 60s, it was a male workforce in these types of jobs. Now, of course, that's not the case. You know, young women are, can be bricklayers, or electricians, or machinists, or anything else. But back then, it was kind of considered. You know, the the females took jobs like secretarial and school teaching and and, uh, nursing and those kinds of things, and the young men did the more manual-type labor. I remember when I was uh, going to college at Marshall University, uh, the railroad hired a lot of summer workers, hired a lot of college kids in the summer. And uh, so I was uh, uh, my dear typing teacher at Barbersville High School, Lucy Clark, taught me to type, and I just had a knack for it, and I could type, you know, better than 60 words a minute on one of those old standard Royal or Remington typewriters, you know. I'm not talking a word processor or an electric typewriter. I'm talking about the one that was manually operated, and you have to had to uh, uh, slide the carriage back and forth by hand. So I went to, at that time it was C&O Railroad, and took the clerk typist test. And applied for a job as a clerk typist in the Steno Pool, in the for the summer. So I took the test. I scored at the top of the uh, top of the test for words per minute without mistakes. I, I scored as high as you could possibly score on the aptitude test, and so I went back. Uh, they called me back for an interview after the testing. And they said, we're going to offer you a job. And I said, okay, that's great. And they said, uh, out on the road, which meant the railroad. And I said, oh, well, am I going to be on a caboose? Am I going to be typing up uh, reports and stuff on a caboose or working on a mail car? What am I going to be doing? Oh, no, we're not going to give you a secretary's job. We're going to give you a job working out on the road. And and I'm I'm talking like with a pick and a shovel and a sledgehammer. That's the kind of job you're talking about? And they said, oh, yeah. And I said, no, I didn't apply for that. I applied for a secretarial job. Well, most of those jobs go to females. We don't hire too many men in those jobs. So it was a different time back in the 50s and 60s than it is today. So uh, men weren't hired as clerk typists, and uh, those jobs primarily went to women, and the manual labor jobs went to the men. So things were different back then. So when I'm referring to young men being able to come out of high school uh, as a graduate or a dropout and get a job, I'm not trying to be sexist about that. That's just the way it was back in the 50s and 60s. So there were all these apprenticeships, these trades. The military was available. A lot of young men went into the military, and then when they came out, the government paid for their education. Many of them made careers in the military. Uh, The railroad, as I mentioned, was was a tremendous place for a young man uh, to go to work and to, for young women in the in the clerical pool or as a secretary is a tremendous place for them to go to work. They had great benefits. They had a lot of job security back in the day. Railroad was a growing business, so you could drop out of high school and go down and get you a job on the railroad, or you could graduate from high school and get an even better job at the railroad. And, then, of course, there's always been retail and uh, other opportunities for young men and young women to work uh, if they dropped out of high school or had just a high school diploma. Well, not so much the case today. There just aren't those jobs available. If you don't graduate from high school, the chances of you getting anything uh, meaningful that you could make earn a livable wage is just uh, just unheard of. Now, there will always be those jobs that you could get, uh, not demeaning these jobs, but flipping burgers or waiting tables or, or whatever that might be, some retail jobs, uh, some stock boy or stock girl jobs that are available out there. But understand, even as high school graduates, uh, you're competing against college students for those same jobs. You know, when I was personnel manager, when I hired uh, custodians and cooks and teachers' aides and sector, I had people with master's degrees applying for those jobs because there was no place else for them to work. So uh, it's a very competitive job market. We needed, we needed people in the workforce back in the 50s and 60s. We needed those people. Now employers can be more selective of their workforce. Fortunately, under President Trump, the economy has grown, and we've got a lot more people that are um, providing employment for a, a variety of occupations, occupations we didn't even know about back in the 50s and the 60s. So it's a little different today. You can't really drop out of high school and expect to get a job that's going to feed a family. It's just not going to happen, you know. If if you've got a, a son or a daughter or a grandson or a granddaughter that thinks that they can just uh, take their high school diploma and go out and enter the workforce and 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 make a livable wage, anything above minimum wage, they're just sadly mistaken, and you need to point them in the right direction. So, what's available? after high school for post-secondary education. Now, post-secondary education is anything that takes place after high school. So we're going to talk about these opportunities. I'm just going to kind of list them today and give you a brief description of them. But we're going to cover each of these opportunities pretty completely as we go along in this series, and we want to have people from each of those segments, students and administrators and, and teachers in these areas, to talk about what's available out there for these kids after high school, because they have to be prepared for the workplace. Well, of course, we have colleges, four-year colleges, they grant bachelor's degrees bachelor of arts bachelor of science you know some colleges also award master's degrees and some also offer a two-year associate arts degree colleges can be specialized for example they might be a teachers college or a nurses college or whatever or others can offer a broad curriculum and we're going to talk about uh, that as we go along when we talk about colleges like uh, the liberal arts which focus on humanities social sciences all the sciences. Classes tend to be smaller than those in universities and it provides students with more personal attention and better access to the faculty. Then we have universities. We have colleges and then we have universities. A university Grants bachelor's and master's degrees and sometimes usually include a liberal arts college, some professional schools or colleges, and graduate programs such as law school or medical school. For example, Marshall University, they have an engineering program, a medical program, they have a nurse's school. They have all these different types of programs that they offer right there at that same university. Universities tend to be larger than colleges and focus more on scholarly or scientific research and they might have larger class sizes. Not always, but they might. This means they can offer the two-year and four-year degrees as well as graduate degrees and advanced studies beyond four years. Universities offer a huge course selection, and they have extensive resources, typically, uh, much more so than even some of the colleges. Class size varies depending on the size of the university university. Graduate students, rather than professors, teach some of the undergrad classes. When when I was going through college and still today, some graduate students will teach underclassmen classes uh, as as a way for them to earn money while they're working on their master's degree. We have community colleges. That's another option. Public two-year colleges granting an associate's degree. Two-year liberal arts programs, sometimes certificates in particular technical or career-related subjects. Uh, There are junior colleges. Uh, They're similar to a community college, except that a junior college is usually a private school. Not always a a government uh, school, but uh, they're typically a private school, and they operate much the same way as a community college. One difference might be community colleges. If you get a two-year degree at a community college and you want to transfer those credits, towards a four-year degree, they are are often more likely than not to be able to be transferred toward that four-year degree. Then we have career schools, technical schools, or vocational and trade schools. Cabell County has a Cabell County Career uh, Center, and uh, we're going to be talking to some of the guys over at the uh, Career Center, some of the administrators there, who can tell us about some of those programs that they offer and and what's available for students who maybe don't want to go to college. You know, it's, it's no sin not to go to college. There's a lot of folks that get a four-year degree that wish they had learned a trade, like welding or electricity or plumbing or uh, auto body mechanics or auto body sheet metal work. You know, there's a lot of things that... Uh, medical coding, a lot of this can be uh, learned at a vocational center. And we're going to be talking to some folks at our uh, vocational center here in Cabell County so that they can give you a little better idea about what's uh, what's available out there. There's um, public versus private. Some private and independent colleges and universities offer a wide range of degrees and certificates up to the doctoral level. And there's also public colleges that do the same thing. There's specialty, special interest colleges. You know, there's single sex colleges, all girls college, all boys college. Not too many, but there's a few of those out there. There are religiously affiliated colleges, like Notre Dame. You know, primarily a Catholic uh, college. There, uh, Pensacola Christian College, Bob Jones University, Liberty University. Uh, these are uh, uh, Christian colleges. Um, then there's some still some historically black colleges. Uh, they find their origins in a time when African American students were, uh, you know, systematically denied access to most other colleges, and and these schools offer students a unique opportunity to experience an educational community in which they're part of the majority. And then there's also institutes who serve Hispanic students. Uh, so there's just a, a myriad of opportunities. There's several types of post-secondary education. Uh, we're going to talk about that as we go through this. You know, you can get associate's degrees, bachelor's degrees, uh, certificates. Now there are all different kinds of degrees that can be had in all of these different uh, institutions. I have a bachelor's degree, I have a master's degree, and I have a Ph.D. Those are all different degrees post-graduate, post-high school degrees that we have. So uh, there's a lot of those. We're going to be talking about the different ones of those and some of the occupations that might be available for that that uh, weren't even thought of back in boomer days. Another uh, big thing today is distance education. You know, a lot of folks, they're working a job. They can't really quit that job to go to school full-time. And so they're doing distance learning. You know, there are a lot of colleges that offer four-year degrees or technical degrees or whatever. By distance learning, you, you take all those classes via the Internet or via a computer. So there's a lot of those, and we'll talk more about those as we go along. Well, that's a lot of, of information to cover in this first episode of the new year. But you can kind of get an idea of where we're going with this as we proceed through these episodes in the weeks that lie ahead we'll be spending a lot of time on each of these individual options that students have when they get out of high school and some of those will be out of high school right to work and there's a way to do that you can go to work right out of high school if you take some vocational classes perhaps along the way. And we're gonna talk about some of those offerings too where people can actually prepare themselves for a career while they're in high school and get ready to enter the workforce as soon as they graduate from high school. So, you know, this is, uh, this is interesting times that we're living in. And if you have a child or a grandchild and uh, that you would like to counsel along this way, just understand, it's not just about college. It's not just about college. College is a good option for some, for some not so much. But we'll be talking about that as we go along in the weeks that lie ahead. Hey, it's been great being with you in 2020 for the first time. I'm excited that you've come back to join us, that you've endured the last year of Be Boomer Unleashed, and we hope that you'll be a regular visitor for every episode in 2020. Well, that's about all the time we have for today. We'll be talking to you next week. So welcome to 2020. Welcome to the first episode and the second season of Be Boomer Unleashed. Have a great week and may God bless each and every one of you. Goodbye. (music)